in your presence. And we thank you, Father, for this church. We thank you for the love that we share together, the family that we have here. And Father, we do grieve as we have lost one this past week. And Father, we lift up the family and pray for them. And Father, I, I just pray that your grace would surround them and your comfort would just overwhelm them. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we go through the remainder of this service, that you would open up your word to us and that we might be challenged by it. And Father, we might make some changes in our lives because of it. We thank you for all that you give us. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> you know, it's been said that uh, parenting is one of those jobs that's both hard and sometimes disillusioning, but also very rewarding. It comes with its challenges, but I don't think anybody that is a parent would trade it for anything in the world. And it is difficult. It's not for the faint of heart. And for the past uh, several sermons that we've been doing here in the book of Ephesians, we've come to this section now talking about honoring your father and mother. So for We've taken a Thanksgiving break and talked about some things that are different, but for the past three sermons that we've done here, we've been talking about that one verse. And we've talked about the three stages of life and how that we are to honor parents in each of those stages. For example, we talked about when we are old, I'm sorry, when our parents are old and in need, that we honor them by taking care of them. We looked at what Scripture said about that and how that this is taught in the Bible. We also looked at when we are older and no longer living at home, that we honor our parents, their relationship changes, and now we're honoring our parents through respecting them and talked about what that meant and where that was in the Bible. But today we're going to be talking about the one that probably is the most um, thought about whenever you talk about honoring your father and mother, and that is the children. And we have quite a few parents in here this morning, so we're going to be talking to the children, and when I mean children, I'm talking from teenagers down, um, those that are still living at home. We're talking to them a little bit, but we're talking to parents a lot. So this message is sort of divided between those two. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, how is this going to relate to me? I'm 60, 70 years old. and Well, you know what? You've got grandchildren. You've got your own kids who may be struggling with parenting. Um, and a lot of the things that are said will apply to you maybe in other relationships. But please don't think that somehow this doesn't apply to you because I'll bet you that somehow you'll find something in here that applies to you even if you're not a parent. Um, so keep that in mind. I want to deal with four questions today. That's all we're going to do is deal with these four questions. Here they are. Number one, how long does this stage last? Now the stage that I'm talking about is the child stage where you are called upon to obey. Um, this is what, a, when it comes to a child honoring their mother and father, this is how they do it. Now, there are other things that are involved, respect and all of those things, but the primary way when you talk about a child honoring their mother and father, they're looking at this, uh, this concept of o obedience and obeying them. So that's the first one. When does that stage end and the next one begin? Here's the second question. To what extent should children obey? What extent should children obey? The third question is this. Why is obedience important? And the fourth question is this. How can I teach my children to obey? Now you may think, ah, there we go. We're going to learn how to do it. 
No, you're not. I'm going to share with you a few things, and I wish I had all the answers, but I don't. I'll share with you mistakes that I've made and some thoughts on the subject. But all I can do is to give you some guidelines and some bullet points maybe to help you as you try to help your children become obedient. And I think that's an important concept. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let me read you these couple of uh, brief passages of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6, which is where we are now in the study of Ephesians, the first four verses, it begins, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Here's the, another similar passage because it's written by Paul to the Colossians. And he's, he's covering the same idea, the same principles, but he words it a little bit different. And so in Colossians 3, 20 through 21, here's what he says. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So a little bit different, but the same idea, the same principles are, are shared with us there. Let me jump into these questions, because this is the heart of this message. The first question is this. How long does this stage last, where you are a child and your responsibility to your parent is through obedience? How long do I have to obey my mom and dad? That's basically the question. How long does it last? And a short answer is this, until you are married or until you leave home. As long as you live under their roof, you are subject to the rules of the house. Now you may think, well, wait a minute, I'm a senior in high school. I don't have to obey them anymore. Well, yeah, you do. Until you can take care of yourself, you live under their roof, you obey their rules. I think a primary example of this is the prodigal son in Scripture. The prodigal son lived with his dad, it was under his authority and under his or obligated to obey his, his dad until one day he comes and he tells his dad, I'm old now, older, and I'm more mature, and I want to leave home and start out my own life. So give me my inheritance, my portion of it, and let me go. And the dad agrees to that, and he sends him out. And so from that point on, he was free from his parents, and the relationship was no longer one of obedience. But as you live in your parents' house, you're subject to their rules. Now, teenagers struggle with this. They think that somehow they're old enough now to make their own rules, and that's okay. And as a wise parent, we want to encourage that and let you go and begin to make those rules for yourself. But you need to understand that in your parents' house, they are still the authority there. And as long as I choose to live there, then I am under their authority. And like I said, a wise parent will begin to loosen those reins and cut those apron strings and begin to let you go. But you need to respect that as long as you are there. Now, that means that whenever you are out of the home, out of high school, and you decide to come back and live there for financial reasons or whatever it is, house rules still apply to you. You don't get to party all night in your mom and dad's house. It just doesn't work that way. That's not what God is saying to you to do. You are to obey them. And so if you want to not be in that relationship like that, a one of obedience, then you will need to be out on your own and you're creating and starting your own family, your own household, and living out on your own. But just remember, as long as you're there, this is a matter of respect and honor to your parents and obeying their rules. 
So that's a pretty brief explanation. But here, here's the second question that I want to deal with. To what extent should children obey? To what extent should a child obey? And looking at Colossians 3, verse 20, Paul said this. He said, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now you think to yourself, no, wait a minute. That's not fair because my mother and father are old-fashioned. They're stuck in the mud. They're from a bygone era. They don't understand me. They don't appreciate me. And why is it that I have to obey all of these old, worn-out rules, you know, these, this, the way they think? Now, I understand that. I understand that it's not fair. But you need to understand this, that as a child, when you grow older and you think that you're smarter than mom and dad, you really aren't. That may come as a shock to you, I know, but you really aren't. And what the Bible is saying is this, and you need to understand this, okay? That the primary way that you as a, I'll call you a young person because I'm looking at teenagers now, you as a young person living at home, the primary way that you honor God is by obeying your mother and father. You see, you may not have control over the things that you do and the places that you go, especially if you're not old enough to drive. And so, you know, you're honoring your mother and father in obeying them. And and you may not be able to go on missions, trips, and faraway places until you're older. So you, you talk about how do I honor God? How do I serve the Lord? Well, as a child, this is it. By obeying your mother and father, showing them the respect they're due, this is how you, in essence, are honoring God, by obeying and honoring and respecting your mother and father. You know, the Bible teaches that Jesus himself had to learn obedience. Let me show you this passage. This one has always puzzled me, and it raises some questions, but I want you to examine this with me, okay? It's in Hebrews chapter 5. And it's verses 7 and 8. I'm going to take them one at a time. And in verse 7, let me read this to you. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now, this is talking about his relationship to the Heavenly Father. And it's basically saying this. Jesus got down here, lived his life on earth, and when it got closer to time to die, he didn't want to do it. Do you remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane that night before he was taken? And he was praying, oh God, please let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. And it wasn't so much that he was scared to die, because death had no control over him. What he was scared of was taking upon himself sin. And that's what scared him to death. And his deity, I believe, he was scared of that. Because that was the one thing that he had never experienced. So here he is struggling and, pry- and praying and crying out to God the Father that God would save him from this death. He could do it another way. And the Lord heard him. He respected the request out of his reverent submission But the father said, no, it has to be done this way. And so the next verse in verse 8 says this. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Whoa. 
He learned obedience from what he suffered. What it's telling you is this, that having gone through the experiences in asking and questioning the Father and thinking that there must be another way and not wanting to do this, he submitted himself to the Father and he learned what obedience really was all about. That sometimes you do things you don't want to do. Sometimes you do things that you think are unfair. But you do it out of reverence to your father, your mother, and you do it in obedience and reverence to God And that's what obedience is. See, obedience isn't just doing the things you want to do or the things that make you happy. Because mothers and fathers know what's best. You may not think that, but they do. They've usually gone through those things and they are aware of the pitfalls and the problems and they know what to expect and you don't. This is why it tells you that you are to submit to them in all things, the Bible says and to obey them in everything. Now, let me just do a caveat here, okay? Questions always raised. Well, what if mom and dad want you to do something illegal or immoral? Well, of course not. You need to make sure that you contact the church or the police or something like that. And sometimes that happens. There's a verse here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Let me read it to you, and let me show you something, and I'm not sure of my interpretation on this, but you can take it for what it's worth, okay? It says in verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's that little phrase, in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in everything they tell you to do, in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Because theologians have debated this back and forth for a long time. Does it mean, which the phrase in the Lord usually means somebody that's saved, um, is it saying that because you're a Christian and your parents are Christians, or especially because you are, that you're to obey them because of that? Could be, but think about this. Is God saying that if you're not a Christian, you don't have to obey your parents? Is that what God's saying? Probably not. So could it be that maybe God, through this passage, is saying, obey your parents? with the instructions they give you in the Lord. So if there ever arose a time where mom and dad were questioning and asking you to do something illegal or immoral, you have every right to say no, that's dishonoring to God. Now you can't come back and say it's immoral if you take my car away from me. That doesn't work, okay? That's not what we're talking about. But you know what I'm talking about. If something ever arose like that, then you are to let somebody know. Here's the third question that I want to deal with. Why is obedience important? Why is it important? Now, speaking to the children or to the young people, because it pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord. Now, I've already covered this, but let me repeat it. This is how you serve the Lord. We're told back in this passage in Colossians, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And you need to understand that. Like I said before, this is the way that you are honoring God. Now to the parents. Listen to this. Here's why obedience is important. And here's why you as a parent, it is important to you that you teach them to obey. Because their relationship with God will mirror their relationship with you as a parent. In other words, if I as a parent am lax in my responsibility to teach my children the things that I need to teach them, 
if I am overbearing and mean, if I am neglectful and, and um, do nothing with them, if I let them get by with all kind of things and never hold them accountable, then they're going to grow up and they're going to have a concept of God that reflects that. Because that's what you've taught them, that authority doesn't matter. And so what you've done is a great disservice to them because you have allowed them to become disobedient. And that disobedience carries into their relationship to the Lord. And so even as parents, you need to understand this, that it's important that you and I are teaching our children how to obey. And it's important that we make sure that they understand that. Here's the um, third way in which, uh, why, or the reason why obedience is important. Now listen to this one. It's important that you're teaching your children to obey because I'm preparing them to leave home. See, I'm preparing them to leave home. Now, let me ask you this question. They're going to go out into the real world. They're going to go out and they're going to have a job and they're going to have a boss. Or they may be in athletics and have a coach. Do you think that boss or that coach or a police officer or a military commander is going to put up with their disobedience? No. And so what you're doing as a parent by holding their feet to the fire and holding them accountable and helping them to learn how to obey is that you're preparing them for the future. And they're going to go out into this world, into the real world, and they'll be successful because you as a parent were courageous enough or strong enough or determined enough to teach them how to be obedient people. And that's important. And for some of you folks that are, are young adults that aren't married yet, you need to hear all this. This is the time when you need to understand this. Because when you get into the situation, you're having children, you need to understand that you have a responsibility as the parent of that child to help that child to become what God wants them to be. And it's not just hit and miss. There's a verse here in Proverbs 29:15. Listen to this verse. It says, A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces his mother. Now, saying sometimes it'll be corporal punishment that's necessary. And that's, there are times that maybe that is necessary. Sometimes it's just a reprimand. Sometimes it's just a look. Sometimes it's a restriction of some kind. Whatever it is. But be sure to discipline them and prepare them and teach them how to obey. Because otherwise they're going to grow up and become a disgrace to you. And it's reflective on us as parents. It really is. Here's the fourth and final question that we need to deal with. And that is this. How can I teach my children to obey? How do I teach them to obey? Now, what I'm really getting at here is this. How do I make them want to obey? How do I create within my child this commitment to be obedient, where they're not rebelling, where they're not being strong-willed and trying to fight me all the time. They're, they're wanting and, and they are willing to submit in some sort of a humble experience or spirit, if you will, and obey me. And I always say to parents, this, this important that you create within your home a climate for success. You see, you're trying to create in your home a climate where your children 
where it's easy to obey you. I think sometimes as parents, we get the idea that it's our job to put them through the ringer, to make it difficult for them, because they've got to learn how to be obedient. So we're going to run them through it, you know. And sometimes we're just way off target. And that's not your job at all. Your job is to make it as easy as possible to be obedient, to learn obedience, and to not stand in the way of their success. Let me read you this verse. Ephesians chapter 6 is the final verse in that passage there. In verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now look at that verse. Fathers, because they're the head of the home, don't exasperate your children, but you bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, keep that in mind because I want to jump down to another verse. Back to Colossians for a moment. Chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Don't embitter them. Don't exasperate them. Don't discourage them. So what's it saying? That as parents, we have the, the opportunity, the power... To mess our kids up. We discourage them. We embitter them against us. We cause them to be angry. We cause them to be discouraged and throw their hands up and say, what's the use? And by the way we either discipline or don't discipline, by the way we deal with them, we in effect are creating within our child a rebellious spirit a bitter spirit toward us and toward authority in general. And it doesn't have to be that way. Because I'm supposed to be creating within my home this climate where my child wants to obey. It doesn't, it's not a problem for them. And that sounds, you know, ideal. And it, it's not going to always be that way, but predominantly you want that in your home. You don't want to have a fight every time you ask or or demand something from your child. You want them to be able to talk to you and to question a why and, and explain it to them and talk it through. But in the end, you want them to willingly submit and obey. No parent wants to fight all the time with their kids, and sometimes that's what it ends up being. So what do I do? How do I create this climate in my home? I've jotted down a few things I'm going to share with you, okay? They're kind of bullet points. These are, there are, listen, there are any number of things that you could find in books somewhere on parenting. You probably have heard some of these. Um, let me just share with you, because if, if I had to answer that question, Pastor, tell me what to do to help become a better parent so that my kids will at least respond with a willingness to obey, then these are some of the things I'd tell you. Number one is this. These are not any number of importance. Don't have rules that are unclear or unreasonable. Don't have rules that are unclear or unreasonable. Now, see, this is important. If you have rules that are, that are ambiguous and they're not crystal clear, then what's the child supposed to do? If one day you said don't do this, but the next day it's okay. If you're not clear on what that means if if all of a sudden i do something and you just enraged and attack 
I didn't know that. I didn't know the seriousness of this. Be clear. And also, I've, I've written down here um, unreasonable rules. Things that we ask of our children that are just flat out unreasonable. They're, they're way too much to ask of your child. It's beyond what they're able to do. And yet, sometimes parents are such... Alright, I've got to be careful here, okay? No, I'm not going to preach it. Um, sometimes we're bullies. You know, I've seen this in, in families. I've seen a dad especially, because dads do this a lot. That we're, we're, we're like the taskmaster, the general. And we lay down all these rules without any consideration of whether they're really reasonable or not. And this is where you need to sit down and think this through and pray about this. You know, somebody told me one time, don't make a rule for anything unless you have to. It's probably good advice. The fewer rules you have, the better the relationship. There doesn't always have to be a lot of rules, but there need to be some. And they need to be crystal clear. And they need to be fair. They need to be something that a child can do that is not unreasonable. And that's where you need to really think it through. And listen to what your child is saying. If they're just not able to do it, stop harping on them all the time and back off a little bit and make something up that's reasonable for them to do, something that you can expect. Here's the second thing that I would say about this, and make sure the discipline fits the crime. Make sure the discipline fits the crime. A lot of times I've seen parents, and and when I say I've seen parents, I've done it, okay? So... (laughs) I'm the parent in most of these situations, but sometimes we are sitting there and a child will do something. And what we do because we're angry is way overboard. And whatever it may be, whether it's a spanking or whether it's restriction or whether it's something you take away, it just is uncalled for given what they did. And here again, you need to be praying about this and you need to talk it over with your spouse and you need to talk it over with your children. You need to sit down sometime when there's not a problem, when there's no conflict, when you're in a a good place with your child and you, you say to them and you ask them, what do you think about this? Do you think this is fair? Let's talk about this. Is this something that you can do or not? Is this more than, you think I'm asking too much? See, there's nothing wrong with that. You have wisdom enough to know when you're being conned by your kids, you know, because you just, you just know that. But you need to be thinking that through. But the punishment needs to fit the crime. Whatever the offense, don't go overboard with whatever punishment you, dealt, you uh, deal out to them. So just make sure that it fits the crime. Here's the third thing I would advise you to do. And that is, don't just punish, but correct the behavior. Don't get into this mindset that it's your responsibility as a parent to punish children, or to punish your children. Um, Not everybody's children. Let's make that clear, okay? But sometimes we, we have this idea, and it goes like this. God wants me to raise you correctly. Therefore, when you mess up, I will punish you. Because that's what God does to you, right? No. 
But you see, we enter into this, this relationship with our children as if we are the punisher. And really what you find in Scripture, like we just read, that you bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What's the difference? Well, here's the difference. In one of them, you are trying to hurt them in order to get your point across. You want to use negative reinforcement in order to make them not want to do that again. That's punishment. In the other, you're trying to train them. You're trying to help them to correct behavior that's bad that you don't want. This is why Paul says you bring them up in the training and the instruction. You tell them what they need to be doing. That's instruction. And then each and every day as you go through life, you have opportunities then to train them. Listen, remember what we talked about? This is what you don't do. This is the way you do it. The training and the instruction. I've seen too many parents, and again, I'm guilty too, We're sitting there on the couch. We're tired. We've worked all day. A child does something we don't want them to do. We never really told them not to do it, but they did it. They should have known better. And we fly off the handle. We say something that just destroys them. We call them names. We hurt them physically. We take things from them. The, the, The punishment is way overboard in all of this. And... All we're thinking to ourselves is, I've got to punish them so they won't do it again. See, that's what, the, that's what jail is all about. Criminal justice. They call it rehabilitation. There's no rehabilitation. You just make it painful enough in hopes that they'll stop the behavior. Few of them ever do. And as a parent, what we're trying to do is to correct the behavior through training and instruction and guidance in discipline where necessary. But don't see yourself as the punisher. Start seeing yourself as the corrector, the one that's trying to correct the bad behavior. Number four, very quickly, be consistent. Be consistent. I've kind of hinted at this one already. But don't do one thing one day and another thing the next. Don't punish them severely one day and then tomorrow when they do it because you're too lazy to get off the couch and do something. You just let it go. That's not fair. Be consistent. Whatever you're going to do, then be consistent. Number five is this. Make the most of teachable situations. You make the most of those situations that arise where you are able to teach them something. Now remember, you're trying to instruct and correct. So you're trying to teach them something. Now let me give you an illustration, okay? My son Brian is 47 years old. So we're going back a long way to when he was about 12 or 13. And I'm having to combat my memory, too, here to try to recall the details of this. I think I may have shared some of this with you in the past. But we lived, we had two, have two little girls that were eight years younger than him, so they're just little, little guys at this point. We had a, a, a heck of a time getting my 12, 13-year-old son to clean up his room. His theory was this. This is my room. I've got a door on it. It's private. You don't need to be in here, so why does it matter if it's messed up? That sounds logical, except my argument to him was, yes, that's true, but your room is in my house, and I want it clean. So we battled back and forth, and Deborah, you know, she's arguing with him one day about clean up your room. And he comes out with this conclusion 
the, the, it's stupid, but he did it anyway. He says, now tell me something. He said, listen, he said, why do I have to clean up the room, Mother? Why don't you clean it up? What do you do all day anyway? All right, now you know my wife, and you know that it wouldn't take much for her to jump on him with all fours. But in a moment of spiritual wisdom, she didn't do anything. And she sat there for a moment. She said, you know, Brian, you're right. You don't understand what all I have to do. And that's really not fair. And, I, and that's really not fair to you. So what we're going to do is this. For the next week, you get to do all the housework. And I will help you. I'll show you what to do so that you can understand what mom does and why mom isn't going to clean your room. And she held him to it. I thought, you know, this will last about a day for a solid week. In there with the toilet brush. You clean that toilet. Here's how you do it. You get up in there good with that toilet brush, you know, and you clean that off. Here's the mop. Here's how you do this. Here's how you wash those dishes. Here's the load of clothes. Let's go put them in. I'm going to show you how to do it. And each and every day you can do this. And if time allows and you are able, I'm going to help you to learn how to cook supper. So for a week, I mean solid, they did this. And she didn't let him off the hook. And she wasn't angry, wasn't mad. Didn't raise her voice. You're sitting there thinking, I'd have beat his brains out. And, you know, I know how you, and I, some of us will do that, I know. But I'll have to hand it to her on this one because she didn't do any of that. And I want you to know we never, ever had a problem with him cleaning his room ever again. The boy loved to clean his room. And do you know to this day he hates a dirty house? He's always on his kids about cleaning up and everything because of making the most of a teachable moment. The teachable moment was when he opened his mouth with this bit of wisdom that he had, and Mom was smart enough to call him on it. And those things are going to present themselves, okay? Those opportunities. Don't let them go by. Use them. Those are teachable moments for you to instruct your children. Here's the last one, okay? That you need to learn the value of leverage, If you're going to teach your children to be obedient, you need to learn the value of leverage. Now, what does that mean? Well, leverage is when you have something on somebody and you can control them, okay? All right, so a child misbehaves and they have an iPod. You can take that away from them, you know. You don't get this for the whole weekend or whatever. Well, Brian at this point was getting on up. I'm only picking on Brian because you've got to understand the difference between Brian and my girls. Brian was the... the, um, self-willed, free-spirited, in-your-face kind of kid growing up. My girls, you could just about look at and they'd cry, you know, so that wasn't a big, a big a problem. But here Brian is, he's about 15, got his learner's permit, and we are running out of leverage. He didn't do anything, he didn't go, on, you know, he didn't go anywhere, he didn't have any... We didn't have electrical things like iPods and computers and things back then. And so it's like restriction, he didn't care. He didn't like to go anywhere anyway. Uh, so like, what are we going to do? You know, we're losing leverage as parents. One day we come home from a fishing trip, and I'll stop at a red light, and there on the corner was this beautiful orange firebird. And this thing's about 10 years old, black interior. It is in great condition. A lot of miles on it. The guy won't let me go cheap. Just get rid of it. I said, Brian, you want that car? Are you kidding me? You know, he was all excited. He, he, I, I was, I, love, he was in love with me, you know, hugging and kissing on me. 
So we bought him the car. I said, here's the deal. I'm going to buy the car for you, but you have to provide the insurance. And that's the fair enough deal. Okay, I'm going to, I've got a job. I'll get a job when I, I can drive. I can go bag groceries. During the summer, he did construction work, so he'd go and do his thing. He, he paid his insurance. And it, it, insurance on a teenager was high. Yeah, I don't know what it is now, but I'm sure it's high too. But it was high then, and it was, it was eating his lunch. But we had leverage. Oh, you don't want to do that? Give me the keys to the car. See, that's leverage. If you don't have any, go buy you some, okay? <laughs> Without leverage, you're dead in the water, so you need some leverage, okay? But here's the thing. I would give you this advice. If you buy your child a car, or if you're getting a car, you buy the car and keep it in your name, or at least on the, on the something or whatever, I don't know, either the title or the note or whatever, but you buy it, and they have to pay the insurance. Now, here's a little bit more leverage, okay? One day Brian calls me at work, and he says, Dad, I had a wreck. Now, he was expecting me to blow up. What do you mean, you irresponsible, blah, blah, blah? I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, I ran a stop sign going to work this morning. It was in the summer, and a guy hit me. I said, get the information, call the insurance company. You take care of all this. So he did. He got all that. I didn't, I didn't get mad at him, didn't raise my voice. Uh, you know, you know it's, it's a terrible thing. We got, got it all straightened out. Because, you see, I know what's coming. About a month later, he gets his new insurance premium. And he looks at that thing. He says, you have got to be kidding me. How can I pay this? I said, man, I, said, I know. I said, those bloodsuckers, I mean, what are you going to do? Insurance company uh, just out to rip you off, and I am so sorry, son. I said, but, you know, this is part of growing up. If you're going to own a car, if you're going to drive it, you've got to have insurance on it. So I guess you'll just have to work more. I don't know what to tell you, man. And so he did, and he just ate his lunch. But, you know, he never had another wreck. <laughs> Forty-seven years old, he's never had a speeding ticket, to my knowledge. Because he was determined, I can't afford this, you know. If I buy it, I buy the insurance, he's irresponsible, if dad will pay for it, it doesn't matter. But now I've got to grow up, and if I've got to pay for something, and I've got to pay the insurance, then you better believe I'm going to be careful. See, that's leverage too. So I, I can't express to you this enough, that if you are a parent struggling with your child, and you're trying to teach them to be obedient, then you're going to have to have some kind of leverage. And so go buy yourself some, whatever that takes, but get you something that you can take away in order to get them to understand that the obedience is something they have to do. Teach them to obey. That's the key. You're going to have to teach them and help them to obey because it won't come natural. The Bible tells you that. It does not come naturally. And as a parent, you're going to have to help them understand that and teach them. If you're here this morning, I want to read you this one verse. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, it's in John 3:16. Here it is. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's God's promise to you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And by faith, you enter into that relationship. If you don't understand that, I would love to sit down with you and talk to you about it. There's a yellow card in the seat there in front of you if you want to fill that out. Drop it in the offering plate. I'll contact you. I'll be happy to spend as much time with you as I can. 
to explain that to you. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads for just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, Father, we are somewhere along this timeline that we've created in some phase of relationship with children or parents. We're either dealing with older parents or dealing with parents that haven't reached that point yet or we're children living at home and not knowing what to do. We're parents trying to raise them. But whatever that situation, whatever the circumstances may be, Father, I pray that each one of us, our children and our adults, would understand the importance of honoring you first and foremost. And understanding that the way that we honor you is by honoring each other. That we honor our parents at whatever stage of life we are. And that as mom and dad, we understand that we have a responsibility to honor our children. Father, help us to be wise in the way that we raise our children. Grace, uh, just may grace and mercy and love pour out from us. And may we be steadfast in this commitment to raise godly children. And Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us through every step of this. Give us wisdom, Lord, to see those opportunities when they arise, to make the most of them. So that one day when our children are grown, they will look back and they will thank us for being the parents that we were. And Father, I pray that each one of us would raise responsible children, send them out into the world, that they might be a lighthouse to this nation and to this world. We thank you, Father, for the family. We thank you for the importance of what it means. And Father, may we, may we always, always put you first, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our children as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.